talking about how, what, do we, what does it mean to have the mind of Jesus, to think like Jesus? And we talked about what, you know, that God is a personal God, that he wants every relationship with you, and that he is the judge of all humanity. We talked about eternity and sin and, and how God uses the church to advance his ways, even in spite of how bad the church can be sometimes. He, God still works through it. Um, talked about all those kinds of things. And then now we're in the second part of this series, and it's entitled Act Like Jesus. And with that, we're kind of talking about what does it mean to put practices in our life like Jesus had, to do the things that Jesus did so that we can be more like him. And so we're right smack in the middle of that part. <coughs> if you're somewhat new with us and you, don't, you, you would love to pick up some reading, this, these topics interest you, we've got all the, um, top, the, the books that go with it out in the lobby out there. So just grab someone, anyone will try to help you uh, find uh, the information for that stuff if you're interested in, um, in getting some more with that. Hopefully some of you, I know a few of, I've talked to a few people that have been doing the reading, um, preparing for community groups, and they're really enjoying that. Um, so hopefully you're with that. If you, if you kind of started with great intentions with your reading and you dropped off, because uh, you're like me, that's what I do with things like this. Um, you know, I just encourage you, pick right back up with this coming week. Don't, don't try to feel like, oh, i got to make it all up. Just, just start where we're at and, and pick up with us. We'd love to have you read along with us. So today we're talking about biblical community. Because if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to practice community. Believe it or not, Jesus practiced community through his whole life. He, he, he spent his last three years, his main part of his ministry, in real deep community with 12 other men. And, and, and as we read through the Bible, we see that it wasn't just them. There was uh, their families traveled with them. There were people that helped support the ministry that were traveling with them at times. So he sometimes with, was with kind of a little bit bigger group, but a, lot, but a lot of that feeding he did was with 12 people and really dug deep into their, their lives. And a lot of if we keep going deeper in the Gospels, you see that three of those he even had a deeper relationship with, and he, he took things even to a deeper level with those three. So, um, so we are called to kind of have that same kind of community. We're called to have a biblical community. Now, having said that, community is kind of a weird word today. It's kind of a buzzword in our society. We like the word community. Um, you notice we no longer have housing developments or neighborhoods, right? We have communities, right? We have, uh, uh, you know, outdoor living communities or uh, young family communities or forward-moving communities. Um, that's a really cool-sounding word for neighborhood or housing development, right? But, but it gives us the idea they, oh, if I'm a part, if I live there, right? Even the pictures, you ever drive by them on the freeway? And they kind of, they do, they do a good job of like, oh, if I live there, my, my family, everything, things would just be good. And I, I'd, I'd be outside smiling like this, holding my kids. And, you know, and, and it would just be this great thing. And, and I'd be a part of this community. And then you move there and you find out, no, they're just like your old neighbors and you don't know them or even like them that much, right? So that, that's kind of, that's the way the, it works. But we love the word community. We even have online communities, which I really don't even understand that. How do you, how do you I, I get really that deep with people that you really have no idea who they are? You know, it, it, it's, it's hard to really understand what community is in our society. And the problem is we bring that into the church. And we try to have the church function a lot like these other places where we have community. But what we find is that if we look at the Bible, that's 
a far cry from real community. It's, it's pseudo-community, it's fake, it's counterfeit. And just like everything else that the world does, God has something he intends for us. And in our sin nature, we always create a false counterfeit thing with that. We always try to make it something that works for us rather than push and do the work of make it the way God wants it. And then we pay the price for it. And, there, and there's problems related to that. So we're going to be talking about what community really is because it's really oftentimes misused in the church. We, the word that is often used in regards to community in the Bible is the word fellowship, right? And we, we're talking about having fellowship with one another. But even fellowship, that's a word that's misused in the church. We've actually had conversations about changing the name of our church because it's called Mountain View Fellowship. So that gives you the idea that if you even know what fellowship is, it kind of puts in your head, well, if I come and I sit down in a chair in this place, I'm a part of a fellowship. No, you're not. You, 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 you're here, but you're not necessarily, that doesn't mean you have fellowship with people. So it kind of, it creates a, 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 a kind of counterfeit idea of what we're really trying to achieve. Fellowship can't be achieved with three-minute conversations on Sunday mornings. Fellowship is something that happens when we let people into our lives, and we let people walk through life with us. We become accountable to them. We become encouragers of one another. We, help, we hold each other through difficult times. That's real fellowship. That's real community. So we're going to spend some time talking about what that looks like today. So if you will, let's, let's pray. <laughs> Father God, I thank you for your word and how it speaks to us. And God, I just pray that we would would um, hear from you today when it comes to this idea of community, um, that we would open our hearts to you and we would desire to have what you call us to. We would desire to have the kind of deep, meaningful relationship you want for us and not settle for shallow relationship, not settle for people just in our life when things are good. But we would yearn for people to walk through life with us and that we would walk through life with them um, through good and bad. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, first thing I want us to see is we are created for community. We are created to be in community. If you want to turn your Bibles to Genesis 1, verse 26, we'll get to the key verse in just a minute. But Genesis 1, 26, I just want to look at this. If you, if you, if you want to open your Bible, this is the first, easiest verse you're going to find of all of our times finding verses in the Bible, right? Turn to the first page where the Bible actually starts. That's going to be Genesis 1. Genesis means beginning, so we're going to the beginning. And Genesis chapter 1 is the very beginning. This is when God created. God created the, the heavens and the earth, which means he created the, the galaxies and our earth. He created everything living in it, the, from the fish to the, the water to the birds of the air, the, the land animals, and he, we're at the place where he is going to create the pinnacle of his creation. He's going to create humanity. Verse 26, it says this. It says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now, that's an interesting verse. Because if you notice anything and you understand the English language, it seems confusing. Because it says that God is basically, first of all, talking to himself which is kind of weird, right? 
And he says, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. So that means one of a few things. One, either there are many gods that are going to create hum humanity. And so it's like Zeus speaking to the other Greek gods saying, you know, let us do this. But we know through reading from beginning to end of the Bible that the Bible constantly is very clear on the, the fact that there is only one God. And he's very jealous, jealous and doesn't put up with worshiping any other gods. So that can't be it. So the, the other, another possibility is that he's talking to other beings that are in heaven with him that are in his likeness, that were already created in his likeness. But the Bible says that we are the only ones created in his likeness, that we're higher than the angels even. That God created the angels for the worship of him and the service of him, but not for relationship with him. He's a, we're the only ones that are allowed into that relationship with him. So, so it's not that. So who is God talking to? Well, it's, it's probably the first place we see the theme all throughout the Bible of the Trinity. That is that God is in perfect community within himself. He is God the Father, he's God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All in perfect community with one another. Now, why, why do I point that out? Because if we are created in his likeness, we are created to be in community. We are created to be in intimate relationship with others. We are not created to be in isolation, but we're created to be in community with other people. And we see all throughout the Bible this push for us to be in community with other people, for us to do life with others, for us to be accountable to others, for us to be in submission to others, for us to encourage, be encouragers of one another. All, all of this is a theme that we see throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament. When, when the church was established, we begin to see them reacting and working with one another, and there are many commands. There are over 30 commands where we are told to do things with one another, encourage one another, uplift one another, teach one another, exhort one another, submit to one another, forgive one another. Those are just a few of the things we're told to do with one another. But it's not, it's kind of anti-culture. I mean, it's against our culture to do that, isn't it? We, we have created a culture where we don't do those things for one another. We have created a culture where we live in isolation. We do what we want as long as we have this kind of fake feeling of community. And so we live in this weird isolation, and yet we pretend we have community. And yet, all the while, we have a community, we have a country that is growing in mass numbers of the amount of people that are medicated for depression. We have, we, we have all sorts of issues that are related to this isolation because we're not seeking out community. <coughs> and most, most sociologists are, are banging drums now about how bad of a problem we have with create, creating false community with social media and all these kinds of things. So, so we, want, we want to be known, but we also are being told constantly, put people out of your life if they offend you. You know, if someone tells you something you don't like, you should have, them talk, have a conversation with them. And, and, yet, and then we wonder how we don't have deep relationship. And we bring that into the church, and the church really oftentimes is no better. Kind of reminds me of a story. There's a, there was a guy that lived on a, um, on a deserted island, lived there for 20 years by himself. And finally, a, a plane sees his distress signal, and comes and lands to, to save him. And 
and he uh, says, oh, you know, he's excited to see them, and he says, I just want to go back and get a, get a few things that, I, that I've cherished and I want to bring back with me, and so they go with him. They're excited to see where he's lived and how he's done it, and they see three huts, and they go in the first hut, and he get, gathers his stuff, and he says, okay, I'm ready, and they say, that's, that's great, but what about these other two huts? They say, you've been here by yourself all this time. What are, the, what are these for? He says, oh, well, that's, that hut right there, that's my church. He goes, that's where I go to worship God, and I just, I, you know, really, I feel closer to God when I'm there. And they say, oh, okay, well, what's, what's this other hut? He goes, oh, that's my other church, but they started doing things stupid, so I left that church. <laughs> right? He, 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 even by himself, he can't learn to have community. He can't learn to get over things. He can't learn to forgive. He can't, he, and, and the reality is, is that's kind of the way it is. We become a church, you very rarely find people that live in the same area who go, have gone to the same church their whole life. Because we become a people that said, yeah, 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 they bugged me, or they started doing this, or that, that, that you know, I didn't want, want to do that. Rather than saying, hey, I'm a part of this community, and I'm going to help shape the direction of this, and I'm going to walk through these issues, and I'm going to, to love each other, and learn to forgive one another, and learn to... to sit next to someone that quite honestly I'm kind of mad at right now and, and, and learn to do that, we, 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 we don't do it. And then we wonder why our marriages are falling apart because we keep putting these same practices and, you know, it's like, ah, well, we just keep making it worse and worse. We are called to be in community. So with that, let's look at what is that community supposed to look like? Well, let's turn to our key verse, Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 44 through 47. And normally we read it out loud off of there, but this is a long one. So I'm not going to try and keep us all together for that long of a period. That, 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 just, that sounds like a train wreck. So uh, just read it with me, but read it, just read it to yourself as we're reading this. It says, it says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Now, first thing I want us to understand is the Bible is not describing them living in a commune. Some people have kind of tried to take that and say, oh, they, you know, they lived in this commune kind of society. It doesn't say they quit their jobs. It doesn't say they sold everything they have. It says that they sold as there was need to take care of one another. They didn't let needs, you know, they didn't say, oh, that's horrible that you're suffering. I'm on my way to Hawaii. You know, they didn't, they didn't do that. They, they, they took, made sure that needs were taken care of. But they had their jobs. They, had, they still had homes that we can see also. It says they went to each other's homes. That kind of. So it doesn't say that. But what does it say? What, is the, what, is, what are they suggesting happen here? with the early church, and how, how, what can we learn from that? Well, let, let's look at a few things. Now, there's a lot of things that they did, but three things I think are just really pertinent for us and our society and our culture that we need to understand um, and that I hope to get across this morning. The first is they were united. We need to be united. If we're going to have community, we need to have unity because part of community is unity. You, you see that? Okay. We, you have to have unity if you're going to have community. Turn to, and I, I think it says Colossians. Yeah, it's actually 1 Corinthians. It's actually 1 Corinthians. You can make a change there if you want. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. 
This is Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, he says, I appeal to you that all of you agree. So I want to put that in practice this morning, and we're going to make a big circle, and we're going to talk about politics and see if we can all agree. Right? No, that doesn't doesn't work, does it? Right? So what does he mean? That you all agree. Is he saying that we should all agree on everything? You know, if you like Brussels sprouts, you shouldn't be, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, well, how, do, how does that work? Well, if we read this in context of the whole passage, what he's saying is this, that we, gotta, we agree on the main thing. We, we agree and we put everything else in submission to this one thing, and that is Jesus Christ crucified, raised, and alive in our lives. We agree on that. And as soon as we start putting other things and making them the main thing, we're going to have fights. We're, gonna, we're not going to be able to be unified. Whenever secondary things become primary things, there's going to be disunity in the church. So he goes on in that same passage in verse 12 and 13. He talks about, see, some of you are going saying, hey, I follow Paul. Paul's the one I listen to. And others are saying, I follow Apollos. He's who I listen to. And others are saying, I follow Cephas. We all, and you guys are all saying you, you follow all these guys. He says, but listen, we all follow Jesus. Yes, Apollos says some things that I disagree with, and I say some things that he disagrees with, but we are all in the same accord. Because all of those things that we may disagree on come under submission to who Jesus is. <coughs> and he's saying that that's what we need to have in the church. We need to be able to put everything else, make it secondary to that primary thing. And see, I, I've been in the church long enough that I've seen so many people forget that and end up fighting over things that really aren't that important. We... Uh, one of the ways that it's been taken, and may, I'm going to say some names, and some of you aren't going to know these names. Just take 30 seconds and, and thank God that you're not involved in all this. And, and, you know, but but they're, they're great names in the faith, but you might not know them because you don't, understand, you don't know these arguments, and thank you, just be thankful that you haven't had people arguing with you. But we, I've seen it in the church where we do this where some people say, well, I follow Calvin. And others say, I follow Luther. And others say, I follow Wesley. And we, and we want to say, well, they, what they said, that's the most important thing, and we're going to fight about it. Now, what these are is these are people who had great things to say about God. And they were great thinkers about God. And they, had, and they were right about some really great things. But they all disagreed on some other thing. And they were all wrong. See, every theologian that has ever existed has been wrong about something. Because God is bigger than any one of us are ever going to get it right. But the problem is we fight and we want to say, well, no, what this person said, that's got to be in your How could you not see this? And then then my answer would be because this person also is great. And they said this, right? And then then people want to make these secondary things the primary thing and they fight about them. And we have disunity and we have division in the church and we have the church fighting over things that are secondary issues. We, we, met, we modernize that we, to things, people saying, you know, I follow Chuck Smith, or I follow John Piper, or I follow John MacArthur. These are all more modern-day people that say, have said great things about God, and they've, they've understood who God is in great levels. But they've also all been wrong about certain things. There's no way they're all right, and yet we fight about them. 
and we cause division. And we even can see it at smaller levels. I know that there are some people here that prefer Mike's preaching to my preaching. And in time, there's going to be people that go, oh, I prefer Josh's preaching to Shane's preaching. And, or that I prefer Shane to Josh. And if Josh preaches, I'm not going to show up to church. or what, what, Whatever. It is. And it's dumb. Because, yeah, who cares? You might, you might like one more than the other. But it shouldn't ever become something we, we, we disunify about. Because that's not the main thing. The main thing is Jesus. And we have to be unified under that. Because we are all going to disagree. We could, there's probably about 90 to 100 people in this room. That means there are 100 different opinions on almost everything in life. And the moment we start dividing on those things, we not only cause hurt and division in the church, we cause hurt with Christ. Because listen to what Jesus said. John 17, verse 20 and 21. This is Jesus' prayer right before he goes to the cross. And I've said this before, but to me, if if I have the opportunity to hear the last thing that someone wants to say before they're going to die, I want to listen really, really well. I want to hear what they have to say, what what it is that they want to get across. Listen to what Jesus says, John 17. This is his prayer before he goes to the cross. He says, he, he had just been praying for the disciples. And he says, now he says, I do not ask for these only, speaking not just for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, for everyone else that's going to believe in him. He says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. See what he says? That they may be one. Did he mean that we have to have uniformity? Did he mean that we all have to look alike, act alike, dress alike, believe alike about every little thing? No, but that we would be one, that we would all come under that banner, submitting everything else we believe, submitting everything else about us to that one thing so that we can agree, we can hold hands in prayer, we can, we can come alongside each other, we can, we can move forward even though there's disagreement. <clears throat> and what does he say? I love what he says. Look at what he connects that when that happens, he says, so that the world may believe that you've sent me. See, when the world sees us in unity, that is a massive testimony. And I believe one of the worst things that's happened in our culture is the world knows a lot more about what we're against than they know what we're for. Because we are banging drums about all the things we disagree on. And we're and we're we're fighting among denominations, and we can't we can't get together and just come to some unity. And the world says, "You guys can't even get along with one another." Yet you talk about the power of this God. What kind of disservice is that to the gospel? So we're so one of the key things about community is you have to have unity, and that means one of the first things we have to do is we have to practice humility. We have to get over ourselves, you guys. In the church, we have differing views about how to raise our kids. We have differing views about what kind of music you like, what style of music we like. We have differing views about our politics. We have differing views about all these things. And we got to learn to get over those things and not hold grudges and to forgive if we're ever going to find unity. So number one, if we want community, we have to have unity. Colossians 3, I'll end with this for this, this point. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 14 says, Therefore, 
as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Listen to what he says. Clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I think that's a great verse for a lot of us to memorize. Put on compassion and kindness and mercy and grace when you're dealing with one another. Because otherwise it's really easy to hold the grudges that move us on and keep us from having unity. Second thing, we need to be active. If you're going to be in community with people, you have to be active together. It sounds really simple. doesn't sound very biblical, right? Be active. But, but it's important. <coughs> if you're going to have community, you have to be active. Acts says, what does Acts say? It says that they were together every day. They ate in each other's homes. They broke bread together. They took care of each other's needs together and took care of other needs. So you can't get deep into people's lives without spending some time together. You just can't. It's hard to really get to know each other with just seeing each other once a week, hanging out for five minutes, three minutes, whatever. You know, if all you do is come to church on Sunday morning, it's pretty easy to feel like I don't really know anybody. Because the reality is, is first of all, how many of us come every week? I, I usually do. But um, even then, I, you know, I miss sometimes, right? But we don't come every week. Then how many of us come to the exact same service every time, right? And then what are the chances that we're going to see each other and actually spend time together? And then even in that, how do you really get deep into someone's life in three minutes? You got, we have to spend time together if we're going to have biblical community. The reality is, is how much we love quality time. Quality time comes with quantity time. It just, when we spend some quantity together, we end up having the quality. For, listen to some of the things that the Bible says we're supposed to do in community. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 25 to 26 says, That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So it says we're supposed to care for one another. We're supposed to suffer together, rejoice together. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're supposed to bear each other's burdens, walk through difficult things with one another. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. So we're supposed to take time to learn to forgive each other. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. So encouraging and building. These things are not things that happen when we don't see each other. You have to spend some time with people in order for these things to happen. And yet, these are just a few of the things. Remember I said there are over 30 of those. They can't be done unless we spend time together and learn to lean on one another. The other thing is they can't be done in a large group. You just can't. We have about 400 adults that attend Mountain View Fellowship. And I know you're going, well, where I don't see 400. That's because you weren't here last week and they're not here this week. Um, <clears throat> right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the way, the way it works, right? We just, you know, they, and that's, they, I'm not knocking that. I just, you know, that's the way it, it works. We're not all here every single week. But it's about 400 people. You can't be that involved in 400 people's lives. You just can't. You wouldn't have the time. You wouldn't have the energy for it. Like Jesus with 12, he, he invested some in, in everybody, but he deeply invested in 12. 
We are called to deeply invest our lives in a few people. Are you deeply investing in a few people? And this is, I, I'm going to push community groups, you guys. We, if, if you want to be involved in community, I strong, I can't recommend enough to you to be involved in a community group. We have people in this church who I know, the only reason they really come to this church is because of the relationships they made in their community groups, right? And, and, and that's what holds them through tough times. That's what holds them through me offending them. That's what holds them through. What, whatever it is, it, 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 it's, the it's the, what they have built in the community groups. Because, and that, that's the way it should be. We, we need to have that kind of community with one another. So if you haven't joined a group, I can't recommend enough, join a group. We, I, we have a few that I think are even kind of getting started here in the next couple of weeks, some new ones. So take time to do that. And you might be able to do that without being in a group. You might have some family or some, uh, some coworkers or whatever that you have just really built that kind of biblical community. You're, you're both, you're, they're Christians. They're all working towards it. And if you have that, great. I'm not saying it's the only way. But if you don't, I would challenge yourself. It's a very difficult thing if you're not extremely intentional. You have to be extremely intentional. What these do is they give you an intentional way to do it. It gives you an intentional place and time to go deep and have deep conversations. If I don't have that, all I do is, all I talk about with my friends is movies and sports. That's all, I, you know, that, that's, that's, that's as deep. And then maybe a theme from a movie gets deep sometimes. But the reality is that's what I talk about. I have to have something to press me to, to go deeper with people. And I have to have something that says, you know what, I'm going to commit to seeing that person at least weekly. And then through that, maybe I'm going to see them more and spend time together and do things together. So join a group. Third thing, be growing. If we're going to have community, we have to be growing. Biblical community requires growth. <coughs> Any relationship that stagnates dies. When I do weddings, one of the first things I talk about is, is love is a, like a living organism. It is either always growing or always dying. The moment you stop working on growing your relationship, it starts dying. And that's what's the problem with marriage, right? We, we, we get to a place, oh, I love you, you love me, and we just kind of move on, and then all of a sudden life happens and we're moving in different directions. We haven't worked on growing the love and growing the relationship, and we look at each other and sometimes we go, do I even know you? And do I even like you? Right? Because we didn't work on it. It takes work to grow any relationship. They don't remain stagnant. And same thing goes with a group. We, we, we need to grow. We need to constantly be growing together. And that means challenging each other. That means encouraging each other. That means being accountable to one another. Biblical community should stretch you. And for some of you, it is a huge stretch just to walk to the door of someone's house. Right? I mean, that's a massive stretch. And that might be all you do for a couple years is just... I'm going to commit to come to this. I've committed to something new, and I'm going to someone's house that kind of make it some, which makes me feel uncomfortable sometimes. That is a massive growth. But then eventually, you got to kind of, you're probably going to have to take that to another level, and you're going to have to start looking for a deeper relationship in that. Galatians six one says this: it "says Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself that you also may be tempted." See. We can't do that unless we're growing together. Do you have someone in your life that can call you out? They can say, hey, you know, you got to deal with this. Do you have someone in your life that says, hey, you know, I noticed the way you, you, you talk to your wife, and, man, is that really the best way to, to encourage her? Is that really the best way to build the relationship? 
You have someone that could say that to you? Or someone who says, hey, you know, I, you know, was just wondering what's, if I were to do a search on your computer right now, what would I find? Do you, you have someone in your life that has the freedom to do that? See, we, we, it's hard to grow if we don't have someone we're answering to. We have to be accountable. Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. <coughs> what does it say? Don't give up meeting together. Because see, everything in us says we quit meeting together, right? That person offended me. That person hurt me. That person, I'm holding the grudge against that, whatever it is, so that we stop. We just stop meeting. Rather than dealing with it and really, rather than talking it through and confronting it, we just stop. Deal with it. So you can continue meeting together and spur one another on. Who's spurring you on? I don't grow on almost any area of life unless I have someone spurring me on. Right? Someone kind of pushing me to grow. Someone challenging me. You have people in your life who are doing that with you spiritually. Because that's what true community looks like. Biblical community is just like any one of the other practices we're talking about. Remember, we talked about reading our Bible and praying, and it—it's it, not easy. It takes a little work. It takes us really pushing through some things that don't come naturally to us, because we—we like to to hold ourselves up. I'll close with this: Sunday morning is the front door of the church. It, it's the place where we greet one another. It's not the living room. You want to get to know me, you got to hang out in my living room, right? And that's how you know. To me, that's how you kind of know when you're comfortable with people. If you kind of you can hang out in each other's living room. Want to know if you're comfortable with someone, just go open their fridge and see, if, see how they react. If they're kind of like, why you? If people that, I have people that, they're, well, they know, that you know, just whatever you want, right? Or, or pick up a guy's remote, right? So watch them come what are you doing? That's my remote, dude. It's the king's realm, right? <clears throat> Pick up a guy's remote, right? That's how you tell if we're really comfortable with each other. And, and at, that's, a, that's not at church. That's not, I mean, that's not on Sunday mornings, weekend services. That's, that's, that happens through community. That happens through groups. And we need to have people in our lives that we, we're that way with and that they share that common unity of Christ. Not just, not people who, Maybe pull us in the other direction, but people that we share the common unity of Christ. That's what we need in our lives. I uh, saw this week a, uh, a show. I don't watch this because it's, honestly, because it's just too sad for me. Um, but every now and then I've seen a couple of the show Hoarders. And, uh, and uh, I w- Unfortunately, I'm, I probably will never watch it again because this is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. But, but this woman was way worse than any someone else I've seen with this. And I've I've even dealt with people with this within the church, and you know, it it, it is a real thing. And um, but she had gotten so so bad that she was she was literally hoarding her own feces. Um, and I know that's this is gross, but I but I, I think it's important because it really gave a it really gave me a big visual <clears throat> that the man who was sent to help her came in to help 
And, and he literally, I mean, he couldn't breathe. And he, and he said, don't you smell this? Do you, do you not, can you not see, smell this? And she said, she said, no, I, don't, I smell, it's like musky a little bit. I don't know what you mean. And, and I thought, you know, that's the way we are. We get so used to our own sin that we just sit in it. We just sit in our own, for lack of, I don't, we, we sit in our own feces and, and we don't smell it. And we need someone to come into our life and go, man, you reek, dude. Someone's got to clean this up. Can I help you? Can I, walk, can I walk this through you with this? Are you willing to do that? But see, the reality is we got to be willing to. we got to open ourselves up and let, it, let someone do that. If not, if we say, no, man, this is my stuff. Don't touch my stuff. I, I like sitting in this. We're going to stay there. But see, we all got to choose. You got to choose whether or not you want to just sit in it and not let anyone into your life. Because the reality is that's the way most people are. I, I've seen in church so many times people that, man, you feel like you're moving in their life and things are working, God's working, and they're opening up. And then you get to a certain point, and they're like, nope, nope, nope. You can take that stuff. But this stuff, this is mine, and I'm going to sit in it. And now you, you, you've crossed the line, and I'm not gonna, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And it takes work to practice getting through that. Are you willing to have someone in your life that can walk you through that? If you are, I would challenge you to take the first step of just at least joining a group at least joining a group and letting some people start speaking into your life. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for your word, for your truth. Um, God, I thank you for people in my life that have spoken that truth into me, um, even when I didn't want to hear it at all. God, people that were kind of willing to even get in my face a little bit and say, Shane, this has got to be dealt with. Um, God, help us to open up to you so that we can experience what it means to, to get out of that. God, help us to be forgiving. Help us to humble ourselves so that, so that we, we work to, to restore relationship and not divide relationship. God, we, just, we give it to you and we ask that you, you do a work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, church, at this time, we're going to go ahead and get into uh, another time of worship, but I want to encourage anybody that um, has a